Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. We're the Satellite Sisters. We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Sheila Dolan here with my sisters, Liz, Leon, and Julie. Monica Dolan is in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to You're the Best Encore Interviews from the Satellite Sisters. Former President Bill Clinton, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Thank you. I'm glad to hear your voice. We're talking to Nora Ephron. What a thrill to have Julia Louis-Dreyfus on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, this is fun for us. I loved this book. I laughed. (laughs) I cried. Elizabeth Gilbert, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to your... You're the best. Encore interviews. Encore interviews from the Satellite Sisters. From the Satellite Sisters. This is Leanne Dolan. I'm here with my sisters, Liz Dolan and Julie Dolan. And today on our Encore interview series, oh, you are the best, J.J. Abrams. Liz, (laughs) I was excited to talk to him in 2003 because I was a huge Alias fan. I am even more excited now to, to listen to this interview with Star Wars coming out in a few months. That will be a J.J. Abrams-driven project. I, I cannot believe it. I loved listening to this interview again. Yeah, I don't well, think people realize what a stepping stone Satellite Sisters was to fame and fortune. You know, how many guests we had on early in their career who went on to greatness. J.J. Abrams is just one of many. Leon, was it because at one point in the interview, J.J. says, Leon, wow, you're amazing. Is that why you want to listen to the interview? <laughs> I, you can hear I'm so excited to talk to him. I barely let him get a word in edgewise, <laughs> which if you're listening for interviewing technique, that's not good. Like to have a big time guest on and then not let him speak. It's not a good idea. But I was really in the throes of Alias, which was his Jennifer Garner show. It came after his show, Felicity. This was his next show. I was a huge Alias fan. And I just want to cast people's mind back because this was done in 2003. And that's when reality TV had just started to hit. And here's the thing. I was a working mother with young kids working six days a week on Satellite Sisters, getting up, doing that show in the grind. The last thing I wanted when I turned on my television set at night was reality. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to be taken away in a CIA plane with Jennifer Garner and Sidney Bristow. And I so loved Alias. And uh, I think that comes through in the interview. But I'm telling you, if you're a Star Wars fan, you need to listen to this because I think there is some insight into where the new Star Wars movie is headed Mm -hmm. because he mentions, uh, you know, he basically the idea for Alias, which is about a super spy. He took Felicity, which he had run, and then he said, what if Felicity was a CIA agent? Because that would give us so much story. You know, we'd have so much more story than just the relationship piece of it. So if you listen to him, he talks about his love of genre work, like science fiction, and melding that with relationship writing. That's why I loved Alias, and I think that's what we're going to see in Star Wars. I'm just saying, people. I'm just saying. I think... I think we know where we're headed with Star Wars. A lot of relationships. <laughs> that, that is good, and that, I hope so. That, I, I, I think I would really enjoy that. Don't you also think that this could be an ideal time for Jennifer Garner to come back in Alias? Yeah. Don't you think? I, yes. Just listening to this interview, it's like, I love that show, too. Why not bring it back? Jennifer's free now. She's... She, looks she like needs she, it. She needs to get out of reality. She does. Yes, she does. She's got... Yeah, so... 
I, I think we should start some online campaign to bring back Alias. That was a good show. You know, the other thing that's funny in this that we do not mention in this interview, you know, the co-star was Bradley Cooper, an alias. You know, he, he had like a minor role. Like, and he's such a minor role, we don't even talk about him. And now he's a giant I had star. totally forgotten that. Yeah. Bradley Cooper was like the poor roommate that had thought Jennifer Garner worked at a bank, you know? He was so, and he was like beat up and thrown out of a car at one point in Alias. So all I can say is when I told my kids I had talked to J.J. Abrams, first of all, they didn't believe me. So I'm just (laughs) glad that we dug up this interview so that they can listen to it and I will have legitimacy because pretty much all we talk about at my house now is Star Wars, uh, 2015, (laughs) pretty much most of our conversations. So this is our Satellite Sisters conversation with J.J. Abrams from 2003 people. I am so thrilled we have the creator and executive producer of Alias with us. So maybe he can give us some hints about what's going to happen this I'm sure season. he's going to tell you, Leon. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. J.J. Abrams is with us. J.J., thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Now, there might be a few listeners who have not actually seen Alias, so I'm going to try, J.J., just to describe the plot as simply as I can. Cool. Okay, because, you know, it's only a three-hour show, so I can't, I can't do it fully. <laughs> okay. But here we go. We have Sidney Bristow as a CIA super agent, single-handedly freeing the world of terrorists, armed dealers, and other bad guys. She works at the CIA with both her father and her boyfriend. I'm just going to leave it at that. I know it doesn't do it justice, does it? No, please. It's fantastic. Yeah. Now, I just want to mention some of the... I'm I'm writing it down. Hold on. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) Some of the plot lines I'm leaving out for our listeners in case they think that seems pretty tame. Sydney, as a child, was part of Project Christmas, a wide-scale brainwashing operation designed to identify super spies while they were in elementary school. One of my uh, JJ, can I just jump in here? This is Liz. Should we be worried that Leon knows every detail of every plot? You've been on for two complete seasons, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, we have. Yeah, and you. Have, I just want you to realize how much you have taken over her life. No, She's I'm, hoping her kids are going to be selected for Project Christmas. I, I am. I am beyond flattered. This is happening. So, okay. Sydney's roommate, the mild-mannered restaurant owner Francie, was in fact a body double. In reality, she was a secret agent transformed by a scientific process known as the double helix. <laughs> Wow, you're amazing. And then, finally, just one other plot line I wanted to mention. Just, case- just, just, just to be clear, uh, her roommate actually was, you know, her roommate and, and the restaurant owner, but she was doubled. So she was the valid real person who became, she was killed and replaced. So it wasn't as if she all along had been some kind of, you know, double. Good point. Good point. She was, she was murdered and then replaced I by I just want to make sure that that's clear because I'm sure your <laughs> listeners are like, you know, now, now they get the whole thing. I was just impressed with the use of the word doppelganger in the press materials to describe that, Jay. Well, that was an episode of our show, Doppelganger. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm just impressed by literally the fact that you would mention Project Christmas. These are, these are great details that uh, I, I love that you The know. normal people don't get hung up on. <laughs> and then this is my favorite. Sydney discovered recently that her mother was not, in fact, dead, but she was a former KGB operative who who tricked her father into marrying her to get information out of him. And then she comes back. She turns herself into the CIA. She gains their trust again. She gains Sydney's trust. And then she humiliates them and betrays them and manages to escape from, like, a, the CIA. JJ, how could she do that? <laughs> oh, my Lord. This is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Now, you know, I, I'm afraid that, that, that listeners who don't know the show are, are going to be scared away. No, I know. I don't want them to be. All right. Okay. Is this a good time for new people to jump in? Well, the... Despite what they just heard, yeah, uh, yes, this is this is actually the the best time ever because uh, we left Sydney Bristow at the end of, of last season 
in this you know horrifying uh, predicament, which is that she, uh, having just battled this woman who she believes to be her roommate, right. uh, she is rendered unconscious, and uh, when she wakes up, she is uh, suddenly finding herself in Hong Kong, not knowing what the hell is going on, and gets to a CIA safe house where she you know she contacts the CIA, they they send her to the safe house, and her you know her lover uh who's also a, a CIA operative shows up um to inform her that uh that not only uh has you know two years passed since she you know was rendered unconscious but you know he's now married and you just get a sense that her whole life is changing so when you meet her again this season we're we're finding her in exactly the same moment uh where we left her and uh for Sydney and for new viewers this Landscape, the the relationships between you know Sydney and these other people, the the bad guys and sort of what they're up to, um, everything is 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 new. Everything is is slightly not what it used to be. So Sydney is very much you know catching up. So if you've never seen the show before, this is the ideal time to to you know tune in because for Jennifer Garner's character, she is uh, for the first time in the show starting off kind of with a blank slate and needing to figure out exactly what the hell's going on. You know, and I know how, I love how you say Jennifer Garner's character because, J.J., I have actually my own theory that Jennifer Garner, the actress who plays Cindy Bristow, is in fact a CIA operative. Really? I mean, what better cover would there be to pretend to play one on TV? That I mean, come on. That's a good, a good story in and of itself. <laughs> I, I know Liam actually has some other storylines she wanted to suggest to you yeah, a little excellent. later in the discussion. I know you're trying you're to... You're going to be sorry you opened that door. That's right. Yeah. I know you're trying to hide this, but now she's doing, quote-unquote, a training tape for the CIA, Jennifer Gardner, in real is life. Is that true? Yes. The actress is really doing a training... Oh, come on. She's clearly a CIA agent hiding behind her television camera. It's just, it's brilliant TV writing, JJ. <laughs> and Leanne is confessing that she is now almost completely living vicariously through Sydney Bristow and the actress Jennifer Garner. Well, that's not exactly true, Liz. I just find that the characters on the TV show Alias are particularly compelling. Now, JJ, how do you, how do you make that happen? It really is kind of a relationship show, even though you have things like jetpacked luges also uh, as part of the yeah. plot. Well, I, I think that the, uh, you know, for me, when I uh, came up with this uh, notion for the show, the idea of doing a spy show uh, didn't immediately appeal to me. What what did appeal to me was this show about these, you know, this incredibly dysfunctional, screwed up family, uh, this this heartbreak of having lost someone that uh, you love, in Sydney's case, uh, someone to whom she was engaged, and uh, sort of finding a new love and kind of finding that kind of optimism and romance in your life when you feel like it'll never happen again. And I, I love that idea of, you know, having lost a parent and then finding a parent, you know, discovering that parent actually uh, was still alive. That was a, a story that I thought was interesting. And so for me, it, it was never about the spy stuff. And the more that personal stuff started to sort of germinate and, and you know, kind of simmer uh, for in my head, it, it, the more interesting it got for me. The spy stuff, which I love, and I, I you know, genre shows, whether it's, you know, horror, science fiction, um, you know, this kind of uh, spy game stuff. I love all that kind of stuff. So for me, it was a great opportunity to sort of do two things at once, to do the, the kind of secret personal story stuff that I love, and then also do the kind of genre stuff that's that's really fun. Well, you many people might not know, but you created um, also Felicity, which was a show almost entirely about relationships. I love that show. Well, thank you. I mean, the thing about Felicity that was a challenge, and it was 
frustrating, actually, was that when you got into the third and then fourth seasons of the show and you're doing episodes 60, 70, 80, you know, of that series, you're desperate for for stories. You're like, okay, you know. <laughs> Get me the jetpack luge. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I started to think, in fact, Alias really sort of was born out of looking at Felicity and saying, you know, if, if Felicity were a spy, you know, she'd go off and do this stuff, come back. She couldn't tell Ben or Noel, these two guys in the show. Like she, you know, and the stories would be, you know, this great kind of duplicit life. And it, it would just suddenly be this, this fascinating um, issue of identity and, and the adventures she'd be having, the audience would be in on, but her friends wouldn't be. And I just thought, well, that's another show. So I went off. Did you started, write it you know, with Jennifer Garner in mind? Well, I knew Jennifer. I cast her in Felicity, and I loved working with her, and she was just, you know, terrific and incredibly smart and just someone you want to work with. And so when I was writing it, my wife was just, you know, I remember she was saying to me, you know, she's going to be a huge star, you know, you better cast her. And, so. and I wrote this thinking of that, but not for her. I kind of wrote it because, I, you know, if you think of an actor, for me, if I think of an actor when I'm writing something, it, it sort of lessens the, the character because I start to think, oh, well, it's that actor. And I need to kind of not think of an actor in order to sort of make the character come to life in my head. She was always in the back of my mind, and as soon as I wrote it, you know, I said to her, "Look, I got this thing. You got to come in." I gave her a script, and she auditioned. It was, you know, spectacular. Do you plot out the whole season in advance? Because it's such a complicated storyline. You've got a lot of moving parts. I mean, how many writers do you work with, and do you plot it out uh, so you know? Like, do you know now what happens at the end of the season? Yeah, well, we have nine writers, and the way it works is, we at the beginning of the season, we plot out in, in sort of broad strokes where we want to go and what the sort of tentpole sort of episodes might be. And then we start working on the actual episodes uh, themselves. And as we do that, I always sort of uh, compare it to hiking in the fog in that you kind of know where you're going, you sort of see it. But until you get closer to the summit, you can't really make it out how you're going to get there. And the closer you get, the more you start to realize, wait a minute, there's this path I never anticipated. I better take that. And you might even discover that the summit you saw at the base of the mountain isn't even the top of the mountain. And you, you discover there's a whole other thing you want to get to. So you, my point is you need to know where you're going to start moving at all. But the closer you get to it, the more you need to be flexible to say, well, wait a minute, this thing isn't happening the way I thought it would. Look at that story. That's cool. For example, we've cast actors to be in the show mm-hmm. who, that we thought would be in one episode, and that would be it. And suddenly we're thinking, wait a minute. For example, a character of Sark, played by David Anders, he came on. He was, he was 20 years old. He did this, you know, this one role. He was so confident, so cocky, and so. He's only 20 years old. We're talking to J.J. Abrams, the creator of Alias, about uh, about the new season. Sark is only 20. He's 21 now. Uh, his name is David Anders. He's from Oregon. He's this, you know, the sweet guy, and uh, he plays this incredibly cocky English <clears throat> English spy. And he was so good, and just so inspiring for me because I just thought, God, I want to write for this guy. And he became a regular on the show. Well, that See, was... I don't believe anything you say. I can't believe that guy's really from Oregon. I know that, that he's really Sark. Is that incredible? <laughs> <laughs> he leans so bought into this whole idea. <laughs> JJ, it's Liz. Is it really fun because you can have these outlandish plot lines? Mm-hmm. Is it fun to just sit around and sort of make up, like sort of get yourself down a certain path plot-wise and then say, no, then we can just wipe the whole thing out or then she can bring, single-handedly bring down the 747 all by herself? Well, i got to say the fun of the show is that because you can do these extreme things, things. Uh, the fun of it is finding the whatever feels true to you. I mean, we might have something that is outlandish, you know, as uh, Sydney's got to, as you said, you know, be on this airplane 
in know, a merry widow, yes. which is is good working clothes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, but but she you know and and she got she got to figure out a way to sort of defeat the, the bad guys on the plane. The plane goes down. She escapes. I mean that's crazy big you know movie type stuff. The fun of this show is thinking about moments that feel true and honest and character driven, and then uh, with that sort of you know weave in um, stuff that is typically giant action set piece. You know, unlike television, and we the fun of it, the fun of the show, and, and it's a weird tone, and it's a very odd kind of a show. But I think that the, the fun of it is we get to do this sexy, you know, spy drama with you know great fights, amazing effects, and costumes and locations. But the core of that show are people and characters that you can relate to. So you might not be a spy, but you know, you, you will definitely relate to what it's like to. You know, to work for your father, right? Or, or definitely want to be, you know, be with someone, you know, romantically, and and having, you know, either a work or personal obstacle, and all the, those kinds of things are, I think, entirely relatable. Well, you have great actors. First of all, could I just request for the third season? I know you've gotten like twenty-two Emmy nominations on the show, and you probably don't need me to tell you what to do. But right. I would love to see Victor Garber sing this season. You know, he's such a fantastic voice and such a talent in musical comedy. You're, you're so right. And, yeah, and it's something we've actually talked about. And the question is, you know, you've where, actually talked about that, have oh, you? Yeah. Really? And the question is where and how do we do it? So yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> and he plays Sydney's father. Yes, right. That yes, are not following along that closely. Right. And then her mother is played by the fabulous Lena yeah. Olin. Yeah, she, she's she's terrific. Now, is she going to be around a lot this season? Because, you know, she, she disappeared. Is she coming back? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, what we're doing right now is um, we're, we're talking to Lena um, about how and when this will work out. Because she lives in New York. The deal was always for her that she was going to be going back and forth for the first season she would be on. And, you know, we'd sort of see what happens. And, her, you know, her husband is a director who often goes on location. She has children in New York. She lives there. So schedule-wise and, and time-wise, it, it's, you know, it's just a challenge, and we're working on that. We're desperate to have her back. We love her. She's Plus, she, she looks like she spends a lot of time at the Kremlin, too, so that's right. really hard to schedule. <laughs> she is, I mean, i got to tell you, not only do they look, you know, like Jennifer and, and Lena, but Lena is the most, you know, elegant and, and intelligent and just gorgeous uh actress i've ever known i mean she's she's just remarkable well the the premiere is this sunday september 28th nine o'clock on abc we have just a short time left can you give us just just a grain just a hint jj of what might happen well uh you know sydney comes back and she is confronted with you know some of the the most incredible horrific challenges uh, ever but i gotta say, i can't the more th- i can't believe it poor sydney what a life well i gotta say that that, that it is what i think is fun about the first you know chunk of episodes is that they are, I think, as sort of you know intense and as you know, I think I think they're they're as fun and 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 as sort of sexy and and you know and scary because let me just say this: at the end of the first episode, Sydney learns a absolutely a, a horrific secret about something that happened to her over the two years she was missing, and it just spins her whole life in a new direction. And it's just I think the end is incredible. Thanks for listening. You're the best. For more You're the Best Encore interviews or Satellite Sisters podcasts, go to SatelliteSisters.com or iTunes. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Call your Satellite Sister. Call your Satellite Sister. sister.